Welcome to the Ask Ultra podcast. My name is Julian Hall and I'm on a mission to help parents and teachers support the next generation of entrepreneurs. So before we get into today's episode, here is today's fun fact. How old do you need to be in the UK to set up a limited company? Is it 18, 16 or 21? Stay with me till the end of the episode to get the answer. When I first started Ultra Education, one of the questions I used to get a lot was, what is the benefit of teaching entrepreneurship to kids? Because even though we were familiar with teaching entrepreneurship or for young people, kind of 16 plus to be thinking about entrepreneurship, when I came along and said, well, actually, you could teach this stuff at seven years old, it was a little bit, why would you do that? Business and entrepreneurship is a really serious thing. Kids at seven should just be playing and enjoying themselves. And why would you want them to get involved in all of this capitalism and so on. And, you know, I get it. For those who hadn't really experienced entrepreneurship or at a young age or had seen the impact of entrepreneurial skills, I understood why those questions came. Now, if we start with the argument against uh, business and entrepreneurship, if you think about the impact that business has had on the world in the last few decades, you could strongly argue that it's been negative. The impact that business has had on the environment has been extremely negative. The impact that business has had on people's mental health, levels of stress, the way in which business has operated within fields such as education, it hasn't really worked as well as we would have, have imagined. And there is this idea that when the business person steps into the room, that things are now all about profit and loss, and it's really about the numbers. And as much as all of that is true, what I realized when I had this growing compulsion to teach entrepreneurship to kids was that actually we were in a time when things were moving from one iteration of business into a new view of how business and entrepreneurship can shape the world. So we have had some amazing entrepreneurs in the last couple of decades who weren't thinking strictly about profit alone. So this triple bottom line, this people, planet and profit, people were thinking about, well, are our workers happy and sustained in a meaningful way? Were we thinking about our customers and not just ourselves? And were we considering the impact that we were having on the planet? All of these discussions, all of these things were changing. This wasn't necessarily the original way that business was being viewed or exercised. And actually, I was at an event with some of our young entrepreneurs a little while ago, maybe about 18 months ago, actually. It was at Level 39 in Canary Wharf. It was hosted by Sir Colin Mayer, um, an organisation called Reluctantly Brave. And it discussed this idea of purpose in business. And Sir Colin Mayer gave us a little bit of a history lesson and said that back in the day, business did have purpose. If somebody set up a business, it was because they wanted to deliver a product or a service to the community, to the people that were in their immediate vicinity. They were the baker, they were the teacher, they were the engineer, they were the carpenter, they were, you know, it was the locksmith. It was those types of individuals that had an immediate purpose and therefore impact. There was a, an obvious value exchange which was happening between them and the audience. Now, enter the stock market. Companies are now growing really, really fast. They are raising money by becoming publicly traded and they're making lots and lots of profit, lots and lots of turnover. Now what's happening, 
and where business started to lose its purpose was in big corporations now really operating and using their measure of success as the share values, as the stock value of that company. And so therefore the decisions being made were being made based on that reason. It wasn't based on the customer value. It wasn't based on people, profit and planet. Well, it's based on profit, but not people and planet. And so this now goes on for decades and we just accept this as the norm. However, now the internet arrives and we have this whole world of information opened up to us. And we're starting to realize that actually we're not okay with this. We're not okay with unethical farming or we're not okay with, you know, the fast fashion and sweatshops. And we're not okay with things being produced at a really, really low value and price and it being sold to us at ridiculous margins. And we're not okay with the idea of of the fat cat business person because really all it demonstrated was an imbalance. Something wasn't quite right. And with all of that actually came the archetype of the business person who cared more about profit than they even did themselves. This narrative that if you became a millionaire and, you know, just through your your happiness, your well-being, you know, relationships with family and friends to the wind, that it was actually okay. So there was this kind of evil corporation narrative that started to exist and purvey the sector and the industry that we call business and entrepreneurship. However, this started to then change because, again, you had businesses, you had entrepreneurs who were starting up, who were thinking about how they were impacting the world. And people were using technology to make our experiences easier, faster, more efficient, more enjoyable. And so we were now in this transitionary period. And I was part of that transitionary period. I was part of the period where people were using technology, uh, not explicitly for good in a charitable sense, but were thinking about solving problems, not just making money, but solving problems, creating value and being able to use that value and exchange that value. Um, not just coming up with something that people had to buy or they weren't really happy with. There was now an immediate feedback loop because of the internet, which forced big companies to have to respond, which gave smaller companies the opportunity to now come into the market and offer a better service, a better product, think more about their customers, have a more sustainable view to their brand so that they weren't the evil corporation. And that was the side of business. That was the side of entrepreneurship that I wanted to, and through my organizations, delivering to young people. Now, if you unpack all of that, I was on a call with, uh, I mean, we even take business advice just a few days ago. And the question became, well, you know, can you even teach entrepreneurship? And, you know, okay, so great. We should now get young people involved in all of this um, new world, new view entrepreneurship stuff. That sounds great, Julian. But I mean, can you teach entrepreneurship? Isn't it just the magic that someone has? Isn't it the eye of the tiger? Isn't it just that spark, that thing that you can't quite put your finger on? And again, that was another debate that the entrepreneurial community had for some time. And it was, are entrepreneurs born or can they be made? And after some debates in various quarters and online and through books, the entrepreneurial community decided with the input of educators that actually entrepreneurship isn't just this thing which is intangible. If you unpack entrepreneurship, what does it mean? Entrepreneurs are innovative, they're creative, they're leaders, they can pull teams together, they're visionaries, they can tell stories, they can debate. Some of them often, not all of them, but some of them are good at at finance and raising capital and all of these skills 
are things that can be taught. You can teach confidence. You can teach presentation skills. You can teach someone to become a leader, how to build a team and work well within a team. You can teach people how they can be introspective enough to come up with a vision. You can teach people problem-solving skills. So then I, in that moment, thought to myself, well, if those things are teachable and we can teach a child six or seven languages by the time they're 10 years old and they could become adept at sports and chess and all of these other academic disciplines, why can they not become adept at entrepreneurship? Why can they not learn all of these skills? Why can they not learn how to be introspective, how to develop resilience, how to develop critical thinking, how to develop problem-solving skills, how to learn from failure? Why can't we do the same thing? And the answer was, there was no reason. <laughs> it's because it just wasn't considered. And so now we start to go into the nuts and bolts of what all of this means. And we often use, and even I do it, we use the terms business and entrepreneurship in, in the same breath when actually, strictly speaking, and I think many of my colleagues in the entrepreneurial community will agree that entrepreneurs and business people aren't the same thing. So a business person may see a product, let's say they'll see some apples. And they'll say, right, if I buy those apples, if I buy an apple for 10p, maybe I can sell it for 50p. So a business person will see the opportunity to effectively trade a product, buy a product at X and sell it for 2, 3, 4, 5, 10x. What an entrepreneur will do is an entrepreneur will see the same apple and say, I'm going to create a brand called Julian's Apples. And that brand, I will sell, I will still sell the unit, I'll still sell the apple from, buy the apple at 10 pence and sell it for 50 pence, but then I'll create apple juice or I'll create apple pie or I'll create t-shirts with the brand on it. And I will then export that to other countries and then I'll create a book about apples and how, and a character and create recipes and I'll then create an app and so on and so forth. And I'll create lesson plans and help educators on how to build a brand based on an apple, right? So I'm spitballing, but you get where I'm going. The thinking is different. Or I will use the benefits of this apple to solve problems. I'll use it to solve obesity. I'll use it to help educate people about healthy eating, about fitness, about ethical farming, etc., etc. I'll use the apple as a metaphor of how the planet should be thinking about the use of technology because an apple a day helps keep the doctor away. So maybe better use of, okay, scrap that analogy. But you get what I'm going, right? The entrepreneur thinks differently. And so I have personally experienced this because given that I'm born in London in a borough called Brent and statistically being a boy of Caribbean heritage, uh, born in Brent, my life chances are low. So boys in that borough for a very long time now have achieved lower than most of their counterparts, um, removing the ethnicity around the country. However, the difference with me and not just myself, but you know, lots of others, I had an early experience with entrepreneurship. When I was 18, I set up a business with a whole bunch of friends of mine. And that was my first foray into the world of making money. And I learned a bunch of skills. I learned how to fail. I learned how to hear the word no. I learned how to sell. I learned how to develop a product. I learned how to develop a brand. I learned how to look for opportunities. And so that basic set of skills helped, I believe, to change my life. Because 
after that business expired and lived its life, I then tried other businesses. None of them worked for the uh, duration of more than six to 12 months. So I, you know, did what my mother said would make sense and went and got a job. And I ended up having a career in investment banking. There was no reason for me to leave except for the fact that I remembered what it was like to have my own business. But even in that career, my career accelerated from being a lowly hardware engineer all the way up to project managing and investment banking. And that was without a degree. And it's because I was able to use those skills that I'd learned as an entrepreneur. For example, in an interview scenario, I excelled because I knew how to sell. I knew what I was good at because my confidence levels in setting up my own business as an entrepreneur, I knew what I was good at. So I could emphasize those things. I could really lean on the things that I was good at in an interview scenario. In as an entrepreneur, you have to deal with lots of different types of people. So I became quite personable. So that, again, comes across well. As an entrepreneur, when you're setting up a business, you've got to learn things really, really quickly. Again, I could do that on the job. So we now know that entrepreneurship isn't just about setting up a business, but it's actually about developing skills, which you can use in any area of your life. Now, what I've seen it do for kids, the real eye-opener came when my daughter was born. And when she was about seven years old, I used to have a home office and she would play in the office whilst I was working. And whenever I got a call come through, she would know to be quiet. And this went on for years. It was a nice little happy ecosystem that we'd created for ourselves. I remember one day we had a garden party. The family were there and my daughter came out. She was about maybe seven, eight years old at the time. She came out with all of her cousins who were a couple of years older than her and said, right, everybody, we have made stuff for you to buy, pictures and trinkets and kid stuff. And if you don't have any money, we've made you credit cards too. And everybody kind of looked at me to say, you know, what have you been teaching this poor child? You know, you've been ramming this capitalism down her throat and all she could think about is business for making money. And actually I hadn't taught her a thing. I hadn't had one conversation with my daughter about business and entrepreneurship. She had absorbed via osmosis all of the conversations that I'd had over the years. And she had come to the conclusion that she could do this too. And My daughter used the vehicle of YouTube when she was very young to talk about what she was doing, to present herself, to showcase the things that she was making and the songs that she was singing. And she understood the mechanism, the basic mechanisms of business. And I saw that developing her ability to communicate, her ability to go in front of an audience when I would go and talk and talk about the business that she created, the YouTube channel that she had started, her confidence on camera, the way in which she could articulate an idea, the way that she could answer challenges, the way that she would talk to um, grown-ups and hold a conversation and maintain eye contact. And all of these skills that adults struggle with, (laughs) she had developed at a very young age. And I then, at the same time, had been going to all manner of conference and event and people were asking me to talk about my experience as an entrepreneur and the questions that I would get when I'd be in education environments from primary school kids all the way up to university students the questions that they were asking me about business and entrepreneurship were really outdated and I thought to myself well if you're asking me that question it means that you can't be taught the answer at school and putting the experience of my daughter together with the ambition for these young people to want to become the next tech CEOs or wanting to become their own boss and wanting to have the freedom that all these entrepreneurs enjoyed, 
and looking at my own peer group, which were the nine out of 10 entrepreneurs that failed, I realized that if we taught entrepreneurship from a younger age, that the generation, when they were ready to start, would have a higher success rate, that maybe in 10, 15 or 20 years time, instead of 10 entrepreneurs setting out and only one winning, that 10 entrepreneurs would set out and maybe two would win, maybe three or four, that we'd have a better hit rate. And also that entrepreneurship would then, and business would then become more about purpose. It would then become more about you considering the impact that you were having with the problem that you wanted to solve. So great, you want to create a mobile app that has pictures on it, that allows people to have filters and make themselves look great. Sounds like a great idea, but what if people then become addicted to that platform and they are stuck to a device and they are unable to interact meaningfully in the real world. That wasn't thought about prior. Now it will be thought about because now when we are introducing the concept of entrepreneurship, we're now thinking about, and even grown-up entrepreneurs are thinking about how can their product or how might their product have a negative impact. All of these things are a result of the next wave of entrepreneurship. And this is what we want to teach. I don't think anybody out there would disagree that these are valuable ways of thinking that will lead us into the future through the eyes and ears of young entrepreneurs. But even if we bring it back to today, if you think about what employers want, employers want their employees to think entrepreneurially. They want them to be able to solve problems. They want them to be able to be autonomous. They want them to be able to lead. They want to be them to be able to come up with new, fresh, innovative ideas. Employers no longer want somebody to do a robotic task because they can get that probably outsourced. They can maybe employ some software to do that. That is not the value that employers get from their team. They want real input, real impact. So if a young person, a child has developed these entrepreneurial ways of thinking, they can then go into a corporation and shine in the same way that I did. I went into a world that I didn't meet the criteria for because I didn't have a degree, didn't have any experience, but I was able to springboard from the skill set and mindset that I had as an entrepreneur to go into the corporate world and to flourish. The same way today that young people can take that skill set and that mindset that they will develop as entrepreneurs and they can use it if they want to set their own business and become self-employed, great. But if they want to get a job that they really love doing, that's great too. But not only that, they can meaningfully benefit that business in their employment to be able to think about how they can positively impact that business. But also what do investors want? People talk about investors all the time. And I remember being at an investor conference some time now ago, at least six or seven years ago, there was a panel of VCs and angels, and they said that if they just want to make a return, they would put their money into property, right? But if they want to make high returns, you know, 10, 50, 100x returns, that the only way that they can really do that is through business, is through disruption. And actually, what investors are putting their money into is disruption, is the idea that you can create a product or service that will turn the market upside down. Because the more disruption there is in your business or your product or your service, the greater chance there is that it can have a financial impact. So what they're really looking for in 
this word disruption is innovation. How innovative is your solution to the problem? Is it solving the problem a little bit or is it solving the problem a lot of it? I know that's not a real word, but it just kind of sounds good. So the more you can do that, the greater chance there is for financial gain. And that is what the investors are putting their money into. Now, if you think about this term disruption, in the classroom, disruption is a bad thing. In the home, disruption is a bad thing. But it's about using that term. It's a little bit like saying, in the wrong context, hot is bad, but in the right context, hot is good. Very same thing with disruption. In the wrong context, disruption is bad, but in the right context, disruption is good. But in order to create disruption, sometimes you've got to try things that don't work and keep trying until they do work. So if you think about the concept of the inventor, right, who is in their lab, in their shed, things are exploding. They've got experiment number 129 before they get it right. And the reason why they're able to do that is because they're passionate about the problem that they're trying to solve. They don't mind if they keep going and going and going and iterating and iterating and, iter and iterating until Eureka, they have solved the problem. But that mindset of failure, again, is something which when you unpack entrepreneurship comes with entrepreneurial thinking and comes with that growth mindset. It means that instead of looking at failure as the dead end, that you look at failure as the opportunity to learn in your journey so that when you meet that scenario again, you now know what to do. That's the entrepreneurial mindset. And I remember delivering a lesson to a primary school and it was one of the best lessons that we had in the entrepreneurial program. And it was about failure. And we had watched this animation. It was an award-winning animation of this little boy who was creating a plane, a model plane so that it could, you know, he wanted it to take off. But he was struggling to get this plane to fly. And then out of the sky came this little kind of miniature pilot and he'd come down and they had worked out between him and this little boy how they could make this plane fly. And, the, and it was a really great story of trying to get the plane to take off and it kept crashing, it kept crashing. And after lots of attempts, they'd managed to get this plane to fly. And it was a great story of overcoming failure and achieving something that would make you feel great about yourself. And I got the children to come up with a poster, which included this character, but it reframed the word fail into an acronym, which was first attempted learning, because that was effectively what this little boy was doing in this animation. He was learning as he went along until he eventually got the plane to fly. And it was the most amazing lesson that I'd ever taught. But it's because I think I had taken something that they were afraid of, failure, and I'd put the power back in their hands. So they could now realize and understand that actually failure is something that they can benefit from and it's not something that they should be ashamed of. The number one benefit that we have heard from both parents and teachers that children and young people get from learning about entrepreneurship is confidence. It's the thing that I didn't necessarily predict was the skill or the mindset that young people would build. But very early on, we would have parents come to us and say, my child is now more confident. And reflecting on that and reflecting on entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs are confident, but it's because they are doing something which they're really passionate about. So the fear of failure is overcome 
by the passion or the interest or the drive that they have in that idea. But what does that mean? What does confidence develop? So looking at this really carefully over the last five years, I've realized that confidence enables you to step out of your comfort zone. It enables kids to think beyond what they think they can do into what they need to do to get their idea off the ground, to develop that project, to build that product, that service, that YouTube channel, that book, that whatever it is that they are really, really passionate about. And coming out of your comfort zone means that you have the room to become more creative. And creativity is now one of the fundamental aspects of whether it's employability or life skills. I always say that without creativity, there's no innovation. Without innovation, there's no entrepreneurship. And so that creativity is the thing that enables young people to solve problems because you have to solve problems creatively now because we have new problems. You can't solve new problems with old ideas and that requires creativity. But in order to sustain that creativity, you have to wrap a commercial layer around it. You've got to find a mechanism that allows you to monetize that creativity so that you can create more. If you are, if your child, if your student loves writing books, their ability to create that story, to create that book, their ability to create that story, publish it very easily on a platform like Kindle, to be able to receive some financial remuneration from that is a great thing. And it spurs them to create more because now they'll have more time and more space because later on in life, if they want to be an author full time, then they can make a living by writing, by doing the thing that they love, which sustains them. The challenge is that by the time you wait until you're an adult, it becomes a lot more difficult to wrap that creative layer around that passion. Doing it at a younger age means that kids and young people can think about employment connected to the thing that they're passionate about and not just getting a job that they have to do because they have to pay bills. And then confidence leads to your ability to think critically. Why? Because how can you be critical about something that you're not confident about? The fact that I'm so confident about my ability as an entrepreneur, it means that I can be critical about entrepreneurship. It means that I can look at entrepreneurship with fresh eyes to be able to take the benefit of entrepreneurship and deliver it to a new audience. And that's the same with all of the new products and services that we are now seeing in the last five or 10 years. Whether it's tech, whether it's food, whether it's environment, whether it's fashion, everybody is now being critical. Everyone is thinking differently about their industries in order to improve them. And it also gives you the comfort to solve problems. What do I mean by that? In order to solve really, really difficult problems, sometimes they don't require overthinking. Sometimes they require an intuitive input. But you can't be intuitive unless you're comfortable. And you can't be comfortable unless you are used to working outside of your comfort zone because you are now looking at new ways of doing things which are outside of your current zone. So most entrepreneurs are comfortable outside of their comfort zone. They're comfortable with the unknowns. They're comfortable not knowing what the answer is, but they know that they have the capability 
to be able to solve problems. So if a new problem comes along, they know that even though they don't know the answer, they have the capability to solve the problem. And that makes them comfortable. And in that comfort, they can then find their flow to operate and work within their chosen environment with other people. And often that is described by others as a charisma, as an energy, as a visionary, as a particular thing that this entrepreneur has that you can't quite put your finger on. So do I think that entrepreneurship has a benefit for kids and young people? Absolutely. And if you speak to entrepreneurs, they will tell you that the personal development journey that entrepreneurship has taken them has been one that has been both profound and both life-changing and game-changing for their industries. And it's helped them to find out things about themselves that they didn't know. It's helped them to reinforce things that they believed originally. It's helped them to develop both employability skills and the skills which we define as life skills and the capability and the character to live with purpose and to live with meaning. And if you've stayed with me till the end of this episode, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And the answer to the fun fact at the beginning of the episode, which was, how old do you need to be in the UK to set up a limited company? Is it 18, 16 or 21 years of age? Well, the answer is, to set up a limited company in the UK, you have got to be at least 16 years old. Yes, and I know what you're thinking, Julian, you've talked about entrepreneurs from seven years old. Well, if your young entrepreneur gets to the point where a limited company is the right thing for them to do, then it will be set up through the parents or the guardians. And actually, even some schools are setting up limited companies on behalf of their young entrepreneurs. Uh, prior to that, they can just make some extra pocket money on the side. Or if you are removing the financial gain from the equation, then there's lots of skills that your young entrepreneur can learn and develop before they make money the central benefit. This episode was brought to you by Ask Ultra, the entrepreneurship tuition app for kids. Available on both app stores. Try it for free.